For new listeners not familiar with the show, we talk about our own bootstrap projects quite a bit, which can sound like inside baseball if you're not in the know. For this episode, we thought it might help if we gave a quick overview before we got started. Jason is building AppIgnite, a tool to help you build web apps in minutes rather than months. And I'm building Plugio and Swarm. Plugio is an online Twitter client, and Swarm is a board game for the iPad. Welcome to episode 78 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Good. How about yourself? <laughs> Very good. It's a misty and kind of foggy morning over here in LA, right? Yeah, it feels like we're up in San Francisco or something. Yeah, well, this is quite a lot like uh, English weather as well. Right. Yeah, this is freaking <laughs> me out. I don't see the sun in the morning and I'm, I get really disoriented. So I want to start off with um, quote of the week. Oh, I have a quote of the week too, but all right. Okay, we'll start off with my quote of the week, right? Okay, yep. So this is by Eleanor Roosevelt. She says, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. Yeah, that is a good uh, quote. I I, I saw that recently too. I don't know where I saw it, but uh, that uh, struck me as well. It's a great quote. So let's let's start talking about people. Right. <laughs> Maybe you saw it when we were like screen sharing and like, cause you probably saw like, uh, in my text editor, I'd, I'd like clipped it. No, no, I've re- I read it and, uh, and I read it somewhere and I think I had actually okay. made a mental note of it. Um, I might actually put it in my list of quotes. I have a, um, I store information in what's often termed the big ass text file approach. Yeah. So okay. I have like four or five or maybe more uh, text files that are based on subjects. So I have one for App Ignite. I have one for consulting, et cetera. And I just kind of paste in all information of all different types. And I have in my just general notes, big ass text file, I have uh, just a ton of quotes. Um, and I think I posted that one there. I'd have to check. But that's a good one. Did, did I tell you I've, I've got a text file like that, but um, I've had it since about... Um Nine, uh, maybe 1999 or 2000 and it's 27,000 lines long now and just basically every time I'm doing a bit of work I always just use that as my scratch pad and yep. I never clear it down so I can kind of go back over the last uh, 10 years worth of work through this one oh, huge Oh really? Text so you don't remove stuff, it, you kind of just paste stuff linearly almost like it's like a, like a log? Yeah, So uh-huh. yeah, exactly so I, so I can keep on going back and I can go back through all my stuff and see what, what ideas I had at the time and what I was working on and what kind of coding approaches I was thinking about. See, that's an interesting approach. Mine is more like, you know, I have different sections, you know, stuff that just doesn't seem to fit in any of the standard files. Like it's not, it's a contact information for something that's just sort of temporary or some event or like, let's say we're scheduling guests for the show. I have a texting file and oh, I'll have, right. oh, you know, this guy, this is URL, this is Skype handle, this is the, you know, stuff like that. Um, just kind of keeps everything consolidated. But that's interesting. I really like the blo- the log format. In fact, one of my ideas, things I've always wanted to work on, in fact, and I worked on a little bit at one point, was like sort of an idea storage system that was like that, or just an information storage system that was linear, that would store everything, but it was also categorized by tags, and it would have a lot of different ways of allowing you to sift and sort and view the information because it's, yeah. Well, isn't that the um, the principle behind things like Evernote? I think it is. It is, I, but I just kind of wanted to build it myself my own way because that would be fun, you know? I mean, you talk about something Jasonism. personal, right? You talk about something that you really want it to be optimized to do it the way you want to do it, and I just thought that's one of the things I think I'll, I will generate with App Ignite. 
um, because I just think it would be fun. It would be a good good uh, demonstration of what it could do, what Epic Night can do. So how many uh, beta subscribers do you have for Epic Night now? A little over 300 as of yesterday, which is not bad considering I haven't um, really done much. Bad. To, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I, I'd like to have a couple thousand is my goal for a minimum. I okay, have, so how, how have you got to 300? I mean, that would be good, a nice thing to know. Um, I think, uh, you know, probably... 60 or 70 or maybe more maybe more like maybe maybe 100 of them have come through the podcast okay no just to me mentioning it on here and, and suggesting people go to epicnight.com and sign up for the beta account um to be on the beta list and then when i was interviewed on the php classes uh podcast a few weeks back and that was picked up and and a little snippet was written about it on php developer with a link to the epicnight.com and i think i picked up like 200 for that alone Oh, that's interesting. So it just goes to show each one of these little uh, increasing your luck surface area activities and events can drive a lot your way. Yeah, you, you never really know what's going to work, I think, with, 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 um, when it comes to marketing and getting traction. You just got to do lots of little things and, and just, just be open to trying stuff. I mean, you don't want to wait. If things look like they're going to be a waste of time or a waste of money, then cut it off. But sometimes doing things like you know being a guest on a podcast can, you know, give you an asthma attraction nice yeah um so but i think you know the idea of, of setting up my blog and you know obviously you've done the same thing one of the primary reasons to do that is to um build some um build some traction for epic night i mean that's one of the things i'm hoping to do of course i've done i've done nothing more than write the hello world post so i gotta get on it yeah so I, i've i've had a good old look through your blog it's good I, I was really impressed that you did it at least you got the blog out ready for our, our blog race yeah, um, although I you haven't been. <laughs> I mean, the, the the one thing is, is I th I think that give, given that you know, because you, you've crafted the whole thing in HTML yourself, it's kind of a pain in the butt now to add each new post, and that's one one difference between your HTML blog and WordPress, right? Because you have to, I guess, you have to edit a few different files and change it around a bit for each new post, and also you do to get the RSS up and running. That's going to be another thing that you'd have to edit each, with each post. Well, no, okay. So the only the, the you know, all I have to do is an HTML page because I use the HT access trick to to um, so let's say that I have a title for a blog post, right. um, say it's Hello World, um, that's the URL, that, and it will within the post subdirectory it'll find that and load it to the right PHP file, which will then load the template file. So really, all I have to do is edit is create an HTML file, which is no more difficult than I think creating a post in WordPress. Okay, and so you're just gonna then. I guess using PHP do do RSS dynamically as well. Yeah, and I and I and I can I, I haven't done the RS this RSS thing yet. I have an RSS writer that I created for a blog engine that I built back four or five years ago that right. I could use. I just was like, you know, it's just I don't I'm not sure it's worth spending any time on that until I've written a few posts, you know. <laughs> it's just like and and I also figured, okay, I can get this up and this is only like a handful of PHP pages really and HTML pages to get this blog up and I could very easily bring my blog engine back to life and, and import this stuff into it with another hour or two of work and then um, but I just didn't want to spend any extra time doing that so you know? um, when I've kind of done my blog using WordPress I've used a, a theme as simple as possible just so it just really looks like a, a Word document actually like an unformatted Word document right. but the other thing that I've done is I've got links um at the top, I've got hire me, portfolio, skills, uh, easy SQL. And so actually, um, a friend of mine had a look at it, and he said that it's kind of interesting. It's, it's sort of like um, 
the new era of the 360 degree resume. Yep. So basically you can, you can go to the, to justinvincent.com and check out me from, from all, all different aspects. So, you know, rather than just a standard resume where, when you send someone your resume and they've just got this one piece of paper, they can actually go here and listen to like a year's worth of podcasts and just kind of see what I sound like, how I interact with people. They can go right. here, they can look at portfolio, they can kind of see the kind of blog content that I, that I write. They can go to Twitter and see how I interact with 6,000 followers on Twitter. So I think that's kind of interesting concept, uh, the 360-degree resume. Yeah, I, I think having your own sort of page on the web, and I don't mean Facebook and Twitter. I mean some, somewhere where, where somebody can go and really get an understanding of all the things that you do and have done. Something, yeah, like you said, like a 360-degree uh, resume. Because uh, if, you, if you're not on the web, especially if you work on the web, you know, or, or you're a, you're sort of a creative or a maker of some kind. If you don't have a website, that's really weird. You know, you're just kind of like you barely exist, and it doesn't take that much work to get something up. Obviously, I mean, the really the most difficult part is just sitting down and writing the content, describing like, okay, here are all the here are the things that I, I I can do. Here are my here these are my skill sets. Here are a bunch of projects that I've I've created or worked on. Here are clients I've worked for. Here are things that I think about. You know, so that people can right get a sense of who you are. And um, I know for myself, like I have written so much code. I have so much interesting codes rotting away on my hard drive that really deserves to be up on the web somewhere. And, you know, sure, people could make use of it, but at the very least, you know, when I'm talking to a new client or something and they want to, like, check me out and say, okay, so what have you done? I think we'll just go to this page and you can look at all these old, you know, all these projects that I've worked on. And not just, I mean, not just me saying, oh, I work for this company. No, download the code, check it out, right? Yeah, totally. And But, but do, when you double that up with... Um, a podcast, a year's worth of podcast, uh, a year's worth or, you know, two years worth of Twitter, um, other Facebook stuff. And basically all this stuff, which essentially it all adds up to corroborating evidence that this is a genuine person, right? Right. That, so, that, so the whole thing adds up and uh, I think that can be very convincing as well. So I agree, I um, totally agree, you post, post that code, but also I think, and I think this is something that you should do, this is just my, my kind of suggestion, is... Um, I mean, you obviously you've got the podcast, right? But I think mm-hmm. if you branch into some of the more social stuff as well, and I know that it's not particularly interesting to you, but it, you mean, it does... you're, you're speaking specifically of Twitter. I, you, I guess I'm Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether you've got like a LinkedIn profile as well and just send it. Yeah, I, I, I have a LinkedIn profile. A LinkedIn profile seems kind of like, um, I don't know. It seems like people just use it when they're on, on, at least maybe it's just me, but it seems like people only use it on rare occasion. It doesn't seem like it's as that big a deal. It's a social thing. I guess it's also the blog. I mean, so, so basically by posting, you know, by, if you, if you have like a, I guess a year's worth of blog and a year's worth of Twitter, then that helps to validate that you're a genuine person kind of thing. Sure. No, I think the blog is more important. I, I'm not, I'm still not that sold on Twitter. I still try and use it, but I just, I read it and I, I, I look through people's Twitter. I don't understand what anyone's talking about. It's like, it's like you're walking in on a conversation halfway in, you know, halfway into a conversation. You understand half people participating in it and they're like half sentences. I just like, I just, I just have a hard time getting it. And I just, I just have this feeling that like, you know, so much of, so many people are talking and nobody's listening. Like there's so many bots, there's so many just posting and reposting links i just wonder how much anyone is paying attention like oh i have five or ten thousand followers it's like do you really i mean is it like an it's like one of those things where it's like there are ten thousand people signed up but like there's only like you know 
a couple hundred legitimate people who follow it, and of those people, maybe 20 will actually t- read a tweet. I mean, I, just, I don't know what the ratio is, but it just that's what it seems to me. So I just like wonder if it's worth my time because it's very distracting to have to go, well, I should post this, I should post that on Twitter. Well, it's not distracting if you use um, something like Plugier to, to just do it in a couple of minutes every day. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, like 30% of traffic to Plugio comes from Twitter. Um, we, we get a fair old amount of traffic um, to um, to texting. You feel like Twitter. so? How many followers do you have on your on your Twitter account? Uh, about six thousand three hundred now. And how much traffic do you? Have, what, what are the what are the numbers? Do you know, think that come to uh, are the podcast from there? Well, do you have any? I mean, I'd say probably like if I, if I post a link, I would say probably like ten people. You know, ten people click it. But it's not it's not just that. It's like there's there's other times where it's helped like. I don't know if, if I was looking for work or if I was looking for some, if I was looking for a contractor, I also met Sebastian through Twitter. I mean, it's just good for connections as well. And that, you know, a couple of times when I've posted stuff to Twitter, people have seen it and posted it to Hacker News and it all kind of, it's just another part of your luck surface area. It's, it's not like in its own right, it's the most amazing thing that's going to change your whole life, but it's just another, it's a, another facet to your surface area. Which I think is no, an important one. I think you're right. I mean, I, I agree. It's it's definitely grease your luck service here. I, I guess I've just been. I'm so busy that it's like there's only so much so much I can do. Right. It's like one more thing that I feel like distracts me. So it's like, you know, putting you know thinking about the blog, and now I got to write something from the blog. It's yet another thing I have to do, and the podcast, and you know, a, you know, coming up with guests and doing and preparing it and links, and then of course I'm doing my startup and consulting. It's like, damn, you know, it's like how much, how many different things am I going to have pulling on my brain? Like, oh, I got to think about this, I got to think about that, and uh, you know, and we're trying to kickstart this consulting company. So you and I have been working on the copy and on the, you know, the website, and that's taken a lot of time. So I'm just feeling really like just like I don't have any mental bandwidth, much less the hours. I don't know. I mean, since we've been doing the blog thing, the way that I've been doing it is I've been I've been saying, look, I'm going to commit a maximum of 15 minutes to to writing a blog entry. And with with Plugio, I mean, I I commit a maximum of about 10 minutes a day. So I, 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 between them, that's about 20 minutes. To really? just manage. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at your posts. I mean, you, you know, they're not like it's not like it's a tweet. I mean, I joked around with you before because you'd written a few blog posts that were a little more than a t- they were a little more than tweets. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like, uh, yeah, it was a it was a wasn't a post. It wasn't a tweet. It was a it was a peep. Well, I've done I've post. done some like tricks. Like for example, um, I, I've realized that if you actually put images in your post, it makes it look a lot bigger. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I <laughs> so, so for example. Right? If you look at the one there on, on the, that one, CSS3 and PNGs are pretty sweet. I mean, basically, that is that is basically three lines of text with two very big images. So yeah, it seems like it, a big blog post. That's like the ultimate trick, like when you're in high school and college and you have to write a paper that's like, you know, a thousand, you know, words or something <laughs> like that or 10 page paper. And you're just you like, do double oh, line spacing. Yeah, you're double line spacing. You're screwing around with the margins. <laughs> like, can I squeeze yeah. out another page? It's like midnight the night before. It's like I got nothing left. So you're you're I I yeah no you really took it to the max on that one but I see this other post you have called it's an it's not an iPad app it's an everything app right and you have a nice pretty graph there and you have, you wrote about you know ten ten lines yeah so basically just to sum that one up is um, I was thinking about Swarm and how I mean if you, the, what the graph shows there is that basically when it's on the front page of of games you're earning a lot of money and you're getting a lot of sales but then as soon as it's off it's basically one sale a day. So the only thing 
left to think is, well, I'm going to have to basically do PR on Swarm and get people to go to the app store and buy it. But that right. seems kind of crazy. It's like a leaky bucket. So, like, why why would you just promote your app on the app store and basically promote the app store on Apple? And the realization is it shouldn't be an iPad app. It should be an everything app. It should be available for desktop. It should be available for, for web. It should be available for iPad, Android. So that basically whenever someone is consuming any PR about your product, um, so they're, they're, reading a, they're reading a post, I don't know, on entrepreneur.com or maybe they're reading a post on a game website or whatever, whatever device they're using, they should instantly be able to basically say, buy this, download this for any, for any or interact device. interact with it, consume it one way or the other, play it on the web. Yeah, it, it's the only way to capture 100% of the value for, for, from the marketing that you do. It's, it's kind of crazy just limiting it to iPad, you know? Well, yeah, I, I've always thought that. And I think it's right. It's that synergy. It's that um, overlapping, um, the power of overlapping sort of channels, I guess. Right. Or um, I don't know, maybe they're not overlapping, but they're um, complementary. Yeah, that's a weird thing about the, uh, the, the App Store. I mean, I don't know a ton about the App Store, but it... Because I have yet to publish anything personal to the App Store, but it seems like you, if you get something that works that people like and gets a little bit of press, or you know, for some reason you're able to get it up on like a, I don't know what they call it, like new and noteworthy or something. I mean, what's the the what's the section? What's the categories they have where the new stuff pops up that everybody likes? Uh, new, yeah, new and noteworthy. Yeah, that's what it's called. Okay, um, and uh, you know, but if you don't get that, you're kind of screwed. If you get, even if you do, it seems like you're there for what a couple weeks, and then you're a week or a few days or something, and then you're gone, unless you pick up a lot of traction quickly. Which kind of like when you're posting to Hacker News, it's like, you know, you may get lucky and you get a few votes, you make it to the front page. If not, you're 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 off into the ether and you're gone. You're well, swarms. They have different sections, so they have the new and noteworthy. Then they have like. Hot, and then they also have the top kind of one in the, on the iPad where you can kind of scroll to the left and the right. So uh, Swarm was lucky enough to be in all three of those categories, and I think it's about a week per per, per one of those thingies. So all in all, it was up. It was on the front page of the games for about three weeks in in the iPad. Right. So um, I, you know, I want to talk more about um, I want to talk more about Swarm, but I, before we do that, I want to talk a little bit of the blog stuff again. I, I oh yeah, yeah, good for interest. you. Okay, one thing is, which I think is one thing I need to do, which is I need to put my picture, I think, up on my on my site because <laughs> I've noticed that, and we've talked about this with, with Derek Sivers, and, and we've talked about it a few times. But I think when people can see your picture, you actually become a human being to them. That's right. And, um, you know, it's why Seth Godin or Derek Sivers or, you know, what Jason Cohen looks like, you know, what Peldy looks like, you know what these people are. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that they're showing their face. This is who I am. And it's not just hidden back in some kind of about page somewhere. I mean, it's literally on the front, like everybody. And it's just I think human beings, we just that's how we uh, associate humanity. We see a face, right? It's not words. I completely agree. Did you think that what I've done on, on my one is enough? I think it's hilarious. Your picture. So anybody wants to go to justinvincent.com, he has this picture of himself and it's like his face is barely in the box. <laughs> it's like you're like it's like this 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 zoom up of just you know like half your face. No, I I think you do better than that. That's a webcam shop that you cropped too much. You need to Okay. I think it's worth. And I this is the same thing I've done. I think it's worth you know, if you have a friend that's a photographer or if uh, Georgie, if she's good with a camera, go find out and actually go and take some decent photos. I mean, and then you can make them black and white or do some stuff to make them look a little more professional looking. But so are you going to like, are you going to do like some black and white shots like James Bond and have you in a tux? Yeah, no, I'm your... thinking with like an Aston Martin and like, you know, have my, uh, 
my talk. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll work. Oh, I mean, just something that looks a little better than like some you know crappy webcam shot, which is what most people do. And I think that's what if you if you know. I mean, you know, even well, okay, look, Derek Sivers. You know, his is not a professional shot, but it, clearly, if you look on his website, he someone's out there taking photos of him on the beach on the rocks there, and that was just yeah. one of them. Like, you could tell that all those were taken in one day, and he just cropped one. Um, but he actually looked looked, looked like he actually tried to get something. And I, I think that when you actually try and do something, it, you can have a, you know, you have a picture of yourself. Most people don't. They get a more of a sense of who you are. But I think I'd, I'd, I'd try a little harder, and that's what I want to do. And okay. other thing I do is, which you're not doing, is I'd actually try and uh, smile just a little bit. <laughs> it's like the non-expression. <laughs> I am in a box, and I have no expression. <laughs> I mean, like Derek Sivers, you know, he's got a nice smile. Jason Cohen, he's got a nice smile. And he's like, you know, I don't know. I, I think it has an effect. Like it sets a tone for your, it, it's it almost like, it's almost like a giant emoticon for your whole site. Right. Right. So it's like, if, if you could say something and you can make a, a sentence and if you don't put like a smiley face kind of or a half smile emoticon, people can interpret it as like, this guy's an ass. But with a, with a smiley face, a lot of times it's like, oh, I get he's just kind of joking around right and i think like the, the your f- picture there i'm looking at that picture of you and i'm reading and you look really sort of serious <laughs> yeah. you know and i yeah fair i enough. don't know no, it's good it's good feedback well what you know what i'll do i'll just go into photoshop and i'll just like tweak the lips up a little bit yeah no i i, I think i think you need to go out and i say you because i'm going to do the same thing and i just been getting around to it but i want to actually take try and take a decent photo where i'm at you know or i don't look like an you know, a crappy webcam shot with no, you know, the lighting's all screwed up and just looks bad. You know, because if you look, some people have done, you can tell some have got some professional photos done. I think Brad Feld has like a nice, some people have some decent ones and maybe you don't have to go to that limit, but it's not that hard. Everyone has a digital camera. It's not that hard to say, you know, to get your friend or your girlfriend or wife to say, hey, look, just, you know, let's take a few, I'm going to take a few photos from my blog, go out there for 20 minutes and take some shots. And, you know, I mean, how hard is that? But nobody does it. Everybody's these crappy ass, you know, photos. And, 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 I th- and I think, but I think it's an important thing. And it's just like everything else. It's like podcasts that have really bad audio quality. It's like you just, it, 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 it affects the overall picture. It's like. Oh, I'm ten- glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Because um, the audio quality of the podcast, because um, I, one thing I want to bring up was Indiegogo.com. Uh, have mm-hmm. you heard about that? I have not. Okay. So Indiegogo.com, that's I-N-D-I-E go-go.com is a collaborative way to fund ideas and also to 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 get uh, funding so um you can do things like you you could fund your uh small uh software as a service app right you could fund that and basically the, the one thing is is that when you when you get funding people can't get equity but you can give them special things such as uh, i don't know you could give them a year's free subscription or something like that but also they have a lot of funding of films and, and music and books and things like that. And one of the things I was thinking that we could do is maybe uh, have a little bit of a fundraising drive for me to get some slightly better equipment. <laughs> so, uh, so because basically I've, I've got this issue where as I'm talking, I don't know, if you turn up you, you, kind of quite loud, you'll hear that there's some kind of hiss or some weirdness going on in the background. So I think that with about 300 bucks worth of kit, um, I can upgrade the sound for the podcast and make it sound a lot better. So I think if, if a couple of our listeners was to go to textinglive.com forward slash donate, um, you'll see a page there that, that has a click through to the Indiegogo.com uh, website of ours. And, you know, chip in, get me 300 bucks, then the audio quality is going to be better. It'll be better for you and better for everyone as well. <laughs> so 
let me show you this. So how long is it? Is, it, is there like a deadline? Like it has to be, it's like a six week or it's like a fundraising drive. They set a time you, you, limit on you it. Set, you set the deadline. So you, you basically say a hundred days or 30 days or whatever. If you, if you meet the funding amount within the deadline that you set, that they, you can get all that, all that money and get your hands on that money for, uh, they take 4%, right? And actually, okay. as soon as money goes into that account, you can basically start withdrawing it. It's not like they hold it if, if you don't uh, hit the deadline. Mm-hmm. But, but what it is is you can start withdrawing it. The way that it works is there's a 9% fee if you don't hit your funding deadline. So you can instantly start withdrawing it minus 9%. If you hit your funding deadline, then they release another, uh, another 5%. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, now how do and how do we is if if someone's donating, how do they know that you're not heading off to Vegas and spending the money on strippers? Well, because they listen to this show and they can hear that the audio quality gets better. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but but uh, the, the Indiegogo.com is interesting. I mean, there's there's a lot of projects that have got you know ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars worth of funding. They're not right. they're not offering any kind of equity, right? All they're offering is, I mean, for example, films. You know, they'll just offer like. You, you get your name in the credits as a producer. Right, you know? right. They just think of right. clever, quirky, and interesting ways to kind of encourage people to do it. But also, the Indiegogo.com itself kind of hooks into social networks, and it, it, it itself is like a list-building system that helps you, can, you know, create your fund, your fund. Now, how does that differ from Kickstarter? I don't know. I've never seen Kickstarter. You think Kickstarter would? I mean, that's like where uh, Diaspora raised all their money. Hmm. It's the same kind of thing. Like you can, you say you're working on a project, or some maybe you're a creative, maybe you're an artist or a musician. You're trying to raise money for an album or or some studio time or a documentary. Now I don't know how it differs, but one thing I will say is the way that Indiegogo have done put their site together, it seems very believable. Like it really feels like, oh, I think I actually could fund my project by using this system. Like because they've got so many well-funded projects that have raised. I just I'm looking, you know, I'm just looking at the front page here. There's there's like ten projects. They've all raised over two grand. That's it. Well, they've all raised over two grand. The first project's raised twelve thousand eight hundred and seventy-three. It's hmm. it's it's uh, to create a film called Anyone Can Play Guitar, which is the story of Radiohead, Supergrass, and other things. Right, like that. right, right, right. So Kickstarter. I mean, it's a it says a new way to fund and follow creativity. Oh, it's very similar. I think Indiegogo is a as a um I think they are a sort of a ripoff of Kickstarter. Well then they're in the right position, aren't they, according Competitor. to disruption theory? Yeah, I guess so. What they're cheaper and worse. I don't know. Look at Kickstarter. Kickstarter's a little slicker. Actually, they do look very similar, don't they? Yeah, isn't okay. that funny? Well, so, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Kickstarter's been around longer, I think. Unless, I mean, Indiegogo is relatively new. Okay, well, look, here's the thing. Go to texinglive.com forward slash donate, and we're going to hook into one of those. I don't know yet. I'm going to sign up to both of them and see which one I like better. And basically, I'm just looking to buy a short microphone and a centric mic port pro, and their uh, combined value of about 300 bucks, and it's going to really make the show sound better. What about me? Your sound's going to be awesome. Mine's going to suck. Well, your sound's already good enough for the kind of Skype setup that you've got. I mean, let's work on one thing at a time. I thought it might make more sense to do it in small piecemeal bites rather than try and raise, I don't know, two grand in one go to get, like, video. No, that's fine. That I'm just of. kidding. I don't really care. I'm, oh, I, okay. That's fine. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, well, cool. I hope so. I hope uh, everyone, uh, you know, we get, get some 
you know, get some help with this. Speaking of that, I think we should, we need to give a couple shout outs to, um, uh, Kara, I think, I'm not sure how to pronounce the name. There's, there's two, two, we had two blog posts written about us this week. Oh yeah. One, you know what, do you, do you have the links? I'm going to try and pronounce the names of the, of the guys who's, um, blogged about texting. First guy, thank you very much, Karen Vasudeva. And the second is thank you very much to Udi Mosayev. <laughs> well, right. I hope I got that right. So maybe you can talk us through the post there, Jason. I'll go Udi first because he, uh, I have his, um, I have his uh, window up. And um, he says, uh, you know, he's talking about um, some of the things that he follows, some of the tech resources that he... Um, that Are you he, sure you pronounce that Udi? You wouldn't pronounce it Udi? I think it's Udi. I, I, bet, I, I bet it's Udi Mosiev. Well, Udi, uh, Udi, email us back and let us know which ones are right. I think I'm right on this one, but I've heard anyone called it Udi, but I've heard Udi, I think. Well, anyway, so he says uh, about texting, anyway, he says, very interesting tech podcast. It, it has everything I find interesting, programming, startup life, tech news, with, and two experienced hosts share their knowledge with us. So, uh, Udi, thank you so much for the, uh, for the blog post. We really do appreciate it. And his uh, website is blog.umnet.com. Umnet.co.il, blog.umnet.co.il. We'll have a link on our blog. So thanks again, Jason. You didn't mention that that at the top of his page, he says these these are some of the interesting ones I want to share with you about about things and people that I'm following. And he actually he actually singles me out, which I'm I'm very grateful for. He says Justin Vincent. He says there are two main reasons I'm following this guy. The first one is texting his tech podcast, which I'll talk about later, and the second is the tweets his tweets on Twitter. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what. That's how the investment into Twitter can pay back. Now, your point's well taken about using Twitter. I, 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 mean, I understand it. I've just been finding it frustrating because it's, it's kind of like texting. You know, people like, you know, Sandy texts everyone, right? She doesn't talk right. on the phone. Um, yeah. My wife, Sandy, um, and I hate texting. People text me, and I'm just like, dude. I mean, just call me or email me. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to twiddle away on this little phone. It's just one of those things that I'm having a hard time engaging with where everybody else is. Isn't. Well, have you ever considered um, like, like the, the whole concept by Tim Ferriss, t- Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week. So maybe, maybe some of these things you don't like, but you can maybe outsource them. Yeah, but you can't really outsource things like your like Twitter, right? That just, that's like, because the whole point is like, it, it's, it's you. If you're like, well, it's not really me. It's some person working for me. It's just fake. It's not real. It's bullshit. Well, but people don't people don't know that. I mean, I'm not saying that whether that's a good or a bad thing. That's that's, no, that's a bad thing. People. That's a bad thing. There's no good or bad. It's a bad thing. I mean, I think if you have people writing your blog post with your name on it, or people doing things with your name on it, then it's false. It's, it's okay. Bullshit. So so basically, Derek Derek Sivers, who 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 strongly agrees with the Tim Ferriss four hour work work week concept, um, basically he and and one of the things that they have in the four hour work week is is that all of your emails, you essentially delegate your emails to um, other mm-hmm. people who, who know the rules to answer your emails. They're essentially answering on your behalf with your name, but they're doing your rules answering as you. So do you think that that is a bad thing? Or do you well, think it depends. I mean, if it's, if it's sort of just, if it's just sort of like, um, uh, I, I, I think it's, it's a gray area. I mean, it's a real gray area. It depends how they're talking. If they're signing your name and they're, and they're actually communicating as if it's a real person, if they're saying, this, this is Derek's assistant, we're coordinating his blah, blah, blah with you, I think that's fine. But if, like, all his blog posts, if you found out that somebody had written those for him, I mean, he would be, he would be called false, and, and everyone would just, he would be completely just derided for that, 
right? Can you imagine so, okay, that? Can so, you imagine if? Can you imagine if everything he everything on his blog post was 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 a hired ghostwriter? It would be. It would just. It'd be the end of Derek Sivers on the web. <laughs> That's what it would be. Yeah, no, that, I, I agree with that. But so so, what happens if let's say you were to hire someone? You you were going to outsource your Twitter. Now the only thing that you asked them to do was to you you showed them the kind of stories that you liked, and they were they were tech stories. Right. And you said, look, this is the kind of tech story that I like. You train them for like three days. And you said, whenever you see a story like that, just tweet a link to it. Now, is that mm. is that false or is that not false? It's borderline. I mean, you know, first of all, I think the idea of just posting links is I, I think like, you know, you could have many fewer Twitter followers. But when you're actually talk, communicating and sort of just posting links, it's a little more real, like you're a real, you're a real person. Like, you know, like someone like Zed Shaw, right? One thing he does, he follows you actually are like in his mind as he's developing. He's talking about what he's developing. Just rolled this out, did this, struggling with that. You know, you kind of feel like you're sitting down next to him and he's kind of muttering to himself as he's writing code, right? So you feel like <laughs> right. you get to know him, right? And I, th- I find that a little more interesting, a little more valuable because... Obviously, I get more than enough links of interesting articles than I could possibly consume via Hacker News and Coder.io. But, um, you know, I mean, not, not that you can't post links every, every once in a while. And I don't think, okay, posting a link, there's nothing really um, authentic or inauthentic about it. It's just sort of completely utilitarian. If, if someone was communicating, actually saying things like, oh, you know, wrote some new code, wrote, wrote, wrote some new code out today, learning how to use this new, you know, library, blah, 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 and it was somebody else writing for you, that'd be just, it's, it's false. It's a total lie. I mean, right, that, right. That's okay. Not, no, no right. I, I can agree with that. But, but just regarding the posting the links, I mean, basically, that's been my strategy for the last year and a half uh, with Plugio. Yeah. And, um, I mean... It, it I think, works. Yeah. I mean, people, when people find, because, because at the end of the day, I'm going through the sites that I think, are, I'm, I'm looking at those, those same sites that you're looking at, but I'm choosing, I'm only posting stories and links that I think, actually, I just think that's the cream of the cream. Like that, that, that really is interesting. So as, as, as a result, because not everyone does follow Hacker News, not everyone does follow all of those other sites. In fact, to be honest, as far as the world's concerned, very few people follow Hacker News. Right. That'll um, be true. Well, I mean, we don't have to talk about as far as the world's concerned, but as far as like, you, you know, people in the world of, of uh, developers and yeah, uh, yeah. people doing startups and say that whole, that, that those worlds. So, so what I'm saying is even by posting well curated links, you mm-hmm. are bringing value to the people who follow you. If you, if you, I mean, that's what, you know, many people have said that to me. So... I think, look, I, here's the thing. I mean, I think there is some value to it, and, and I think it obviously can work, and obviously it's working for you. I don't think it's spam, um, but I just get, it gives me a, a weird feeling if all everyone's doing is posting links back and forth. It's like anyone even paying attention. I mean, it's just a bunch of link posting back and forth. Whereas, are people actually no, creating, actually communicating? I mean, are people using this communication channel? Or are they using this just like my link share site, you know? But you can do it both. You can do both. I mean, you can put, you post links and, Sometimes you say, you know, I'm looking for an answer to this question. Sometimes you say, is there anyone out there who is looking for a job? I mean, there's there's a bunch of different ways you can use it. But one of the one of the things that the that the links does is it it gives you a presence. I mean, I, I post like six links a day, basically, and so yeah. every day there's just this continual presence that I'm there, and then I kind of intersperse that with the actual interaction as well. So. Do you actually write? I mean, other than posting links, do you actually communicate what you're thinking about or what you're doing? Oh yeah, yeah. Like if, the, for example, if there's if there's an earthquake or something, I'm like, oh my god, the ground just shook. You know, like just stuff that happens. 
Um, or, but, but mainly I've used it to, to network, you know, to kind of say, is there anyone out there who knows how to do this? Or is there anyone, anyone who can help me with this problem? You know, for, so those, those kind of issues. Because the thing about it is, is I've, I've found all of those people by doing searches on keywords like hash PHP and hash JavaScript. So I, I, right. it's a fair bet that like 80% of those, those 6,000 are developers. So what it is, is right. it's an, that's why I kind of think the whole crowdsourcing thing is pretty fantastic because if I post a question out, I, you know, usually within like three minutes, I get a, a very, very relevant technical answer, which I found. And, and I answer other people as well. You know, I don't just kind of look for their answers. I also try and give, give answers. You're not just well. broadcasting. No, you're, you're no. Not just like, yeah, that's, that's the thing too, is I wonder like how many people are listening versus broadcasting. You know, is it all just auto broadcast? Joe? Well, because the thing, it, when when people because po- here, here's the thing that I've I found about it anyway. When people post to you, they type at your name, and, right. and that stream, you you read every single thing that comes into that stream. So I basically pretty much ignore the mainstream, right? Because I've got to, mm-hmm. I've got six thousand people coming through the mainstream. There's no way I could maintain a dialogue with those six thousand people in that way. But when people, um, kind of at me. I, you know, I always respond and answer to everything that, that comes why, in and out why that do you, way. Why, why do you follow 6,000 people? Because whenever I see someone join me and they have like 6,000, they're like following 6,000 and list, and, and um, they have 6,000 followers and are following 6,000, I just assume it's a bot. I, I don't follow 6,000. I follow, I think, about 4,000. And the reason why is because, you know, there's a, there's a number of different strategies to building your following on Twitter. One of the strategies is, is to become really successful and famous like a, a Derek Sivers or some of the other guys we know, and um, they just get followed by a lot of people. But by mm-hmm. far, the, the easiest way for the general public is to just go and, by using searches, hunt down people who are talking about stuff that you're interested in, follow them, and then if they notice you, they'll follow you back. And then basically, every few weeks, you, you see the people who haven't followed you back for like, you know, two weeks or something, and you just kind of remove them and then just find, find new people. That's really the only way that I know of to to build a Twitter following, if you if you aren't famous or, or already successful, yeah, I don't know. It's, it seems a little weird to me, actually. Um, I would think that if you did it through other means, like say you know writing on the web via blog or something, or 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 doing other things, it just seems weird that you follow people and then you, you and then I don't know, but you have like you're following six thousand people. It just it seems sort of like um, some automated approach. Whereas the well, people but, but, seem but more. Think of it- but think of it this way, okay? Every one of those people I've found by doing a search such as hash PHP, hash Ruby, hash JavaScript. So there, there isn't one single person who wasn't talking about, who didn't type hash some very, very technical term, right? Mm-hmm. So every single one of those people is, just, just to even type hash PHP, it, it can't just be a random person. It has to be someone who is totally into the same space as me. So I've right. then followed them. So just just the very fact that they've mentioned that what they say is interesting right do, do you see what right. i'm saying so all, all of those yeah. people are interesting to me and i hope with any luck i'm interesting to them as well so it's it's a very but have you know but and I, okay fair enough but have you noticed how many like um bots there are around there like there's these, these just the internet marketers who have like you know following twenty thousand people and it's just totally load of crap oh uh, absolutely absolutely there you yeah, no, there, there is a ton of them out there, and it's it's pretty obvious to see who those people are. I mean, it, for someone like me, the, the way that you can tell someone like that is basically the ratio. You'll what you'll see is you'll see that there's like they're following four thousand, and four thousand are following them, kind of thing. It'll be pretty pretty much to much. 
Whereas someone like me, who's, who's doing it this kind of manual way, it's kind of like a, a cross between manual and automated. It's just mm-hmm. essentially the hard work way. I, I've, I've got like 4,000, uh, I'm following about 4,000, but 6,000 are following me or 6,500 are following me. So basically yeah. I'm bringing more value so that my, my ratio is much better as it were. It's not, right. like, well, it's you not see, like a one-to-one. Do you see like Derek Severus has almost 300,000 followers? He's only following uh, to, uh, about two thousand. Yeah, that's well, quite a ratio. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's I mean, yeah, quite a exactly. Ratio. Yeah, it's great. If if you if you're lucky enough to build that and make that happen, and then that is fantastic, right? Well, I don't think I it's mean, luck. I, I don't think there's any luck to do it. I think he's you know obviously created stuff so people people want. I to would love the time to happen that you know you and I had that many followers because of our other avenues such as our blog and our you know this this podcast. I mean, that would be amazing to me. But that that wasn't available. <laughs> that wasn't available to us for the last year and a half. So I've just taken the hard work route, you know, right, the right, graft. Right. right. So let's uh, let's move on. We've, we've probably caught up. We need to uh, thank our other um, uh, poster, uh, Karan. Karan Vasudeva. He he had a podca- uh, a post called Podcast for Programmers, and yeah. he says that, um, and we're listed as number one. There's one is TechZing, two is Mixergy, three is FaceOff Show, four is This Developer's Life, which I recommend, by the way. Um, this Developer's right. Life is really interesting. If you like This American Life on NPR, um, This Developer's Life is, is a complete sort of replica of that, but just talk, interviewing sort of developers. And Scott Hanselman has sort of joined the show with him and does a good job. Number five is Starbucks for the Rest of Us by Rob Walling, who's a friend of ours, who actually we're meeting for lunch. That's right. <laughs> on Wednesday. Which is awesome. So we, we interviewed Rob like, what, two months ago, three months ago or something like that. Um, he is a Startups for the Rest of Us podcast and, is, and he has a blog called uh, Startups um, uh, Software by Rob, right? Is that right? Yeah. Software by Rob and dot com. And uh, so we had a great interview with him and he just uh, he's going to be in town this week. And so we're having lunch or we're going to grab some coffee with him or something. And that's one of the cool things about the web and stuff. So we get to meet people and then you actually sometimes get to meet them in real life. So that's kind of cool. I just wanted to read out Karen's synopsis of texting. My favorite podcast, episodes can be long at 90 plus minutes and discussions can have a tendency to ramble. <laughs> what makes up for all of it is the enthusiasm the hosts seem to possess. I don't know what he's talking about. What is he talking about rambling? I have no idea. What... What's this rambling? What? Who rambles? What? I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> what makes up for all of it is the enthusiasm the hosts seem to possess for programming as a profession. That is true. We do. We freaking love to code. We actually do. I do. I, I just, there's, there's very few things in life that I could spend all day doing and still like it every day. I mean, even the things that I love to do, like playing soccer, basketball, or reading, or hanging out and talking, or watching movies, or any number of things. I mean, after a few hours, you're just like, oh, okay, I got to move on. <laughs> I can't, you know. I mean, how many hours a day could you literally just sit and read a, a good book? Three, four not, hours a day? Not to, well, it depends. If I was completely consumed, I could do it all day, but but not to the extent of coding, which is essentially like sometimes it can feel like you're creating a great masterpiece of art, you know? Yeah, but you, you really can't. I mean, even if you love to read, it would be hard to read eight, ten hours a day every day. You just get bored of reading. You'd be burnt out. So anyway, go on, read the rest of it. Oh, no, that's it. That's it. No, he says uh, they, they, see, they say they seem to enjoy not just the technical details, but the entire act of dreaming up and making new things, which is true. I yeah, love very true the creative process. I love trying to make 
stuff. I love. I just love building. I love creating, and I love doing it through you know via code. I mean, some people are sort of generic makers. They can, they can make hardware stuff, or they can build a house, or they can you know like my, all my brothers could like build a car or a house practically, or they could rebuild an engine easily on a car, and they could all build a house from the ground up, which I can't do. I have no hardware, real world skills. Everything I do is digital. Um, have you ever tried talking code? Have you ever tried talking code through to your wife or your or your uh, mother-in-law or something like that? And because they, 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 they basically <laughs> say, you, you know, they say, what what do you do? And you like try, you know, you you get like a really simple piece of code with an if statement, and you go, okay, you know what? I'm going to show you what I do. This is what I do, right? You know, I've tried this, explaining this to my mother-in-law and father-in-law. <laughs> yeah, no, they they okay. So Sandy, she <laughs> she totally, I mean, gets it. I mean, she. She worked in my first startup. I mean, she's she's built you know databases using FileMaker Pro and things like that. She oh, okay, fair enough. And she can Excel. She can do simple VB script, and she actually knows HTML to some degree and CSS. And you know, I talk. You know, as much as I talk, obviously, I talk about stuff that I'm building and working on. And yeah. she's been up and down the roller coaster of uh, startups and things for years with me. And on top of that, she used to manage. A, she used to be a product. Um, the project manager for a web consulting firm called Iconics back in the day. Oh, and I see. So she knows. She knows. So I actually have it. I have the lucky position that my wife knows what I understands what I do. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, there was a, there was um, a blog post that was talking about. Um, I think it was some girl was saying how she knew a lot about what her coder guy was doing because she would talk to him, and she was basically saying that a lot of girls don't get get into it don't pay interest like i have no it's got something like i have no idea what my yeah husband or boyfriend does or something so i showed i showed it to, to georgie and she it, it made her think so we, we then went out to dinner and she said okay here's what i know about what you do and she knew a surprising amount i couldn't believe it like she really totally you know she 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 said you work with php you use csx <laughs> <laughs> an HGMB. <laughs> right, so she knew right. the different, you know, all the different kind of components, but didn't quite acronyms. get the acronyms exactly right. And uh, yeah, no, it was good. I, I was surprised. I was impressed. You know, I don't know whether you're doing it on purpose, but I really feel like I've spoken a lot this show. It feels weird. I feel like I'm kind of just like standing in the middle of a, a field and like there's this, you know, <laughs> just, just, just kind of vulnerable but <laughs> 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 if you if you like <clears throat> are you doing that on purpose uh it, am i just being like no, an a couple hog? times i tried to you know dial it back where i could have gone off and uh i think you've been a little more um aggressive about getting your words in there maybe that feels weird you know plus i've been a, i've been challenging stuff that you're doing which makes you, which pulls you into it more right i'm not just explaining something okay. that i read or thought about i'm actually challenging stuff that you're doing which means you're spending a lot of time explaining why I, anyway we need to um finish up with uh karan or karan um in his blog post um just to say one thing he so he he wanted us to do a law critique of um Oh right! Yeah, of his uh, of his little uh, startup here or project, and it's called. Hey, can you ping me the link? It's codeboff.in. Screen candidates with real programming tests. Sort of like my skills map. No, 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 no. The my skills map is where you, as a sort of job seeker candidate or somebody who would be seeking employment at some point, keeps a sort of a a list of all the things that they know. How will they know C++ or how must they know SQL or CodeBoffin? 
looks like it's a way that you can screen candidates with tests, and it looks like they do like a programming. He says, so you, so you want to hire programmers, see if they can code first, enter in a candidate's email address and choose a subject. The candidate receives a test, which they take at home. So it's like a programming test. Right? And then the candidate's code is graded, and we mail you a test report. You're done. So it gives them a grade of, you know, A, B, or C, and a top, you know, or fail or pass. Like, and it looks like they either got a pass or a fail. And it looks like they get uh, on a subject. So C++ or C might be one of them or, or whatever. So they have a variety of different um, ways of doing it. Um, now, this kind of reminds Let's see what the pricing is. So five tests. You can have five tests are free. So this is kind of cool. You can get a sense. So if uh, just by doing five tests. Ten tests is $50 uh, or $49.99. 30 tests is $99.99. 100 tests is $199.99. So that's interesting. It kind of reminds me of BrainBench. You remember BrainBench? Uh, no, I don't. Well, BrainBench, let's see if they still exist. I'm just typing in them right now. BrainBench. So BrainBench assessment produces products pr- predict employee skills. So they have like a huge number of uh, pre-test hiring and stuff like that on like tons and tons of different topics. Um, I've never done, but like you could say like enterprise, you know, Java beans or, you know, level three or something, you know, it's like they'll have like a test on HTML5. What I like about it is that um, this is definitely proving MVP, right? Because the only tests on there so far are C and C++ available now with more coming soon. So he's he's totally getting out into the marketplace when he's only got that that limited number of tests because obviously there's there's a lot more languages right. Mm-hmm. So he's done that. But something else that I like about it, which you don't you don't see very often um, with this stage product, mm-hmm. is the design is so clean and crisp and and just good. Like it's just good design. Like basically it's it follows the principles of good design, which is having a lot of space around stuff. Um, and just being easy to read and understand, see what's going on. What do you do? You, do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's nice. I think he did a nice job. I mean, I, it, it doesn't look like there was a ton of money put into design, but either he has a decent design sense himself, mm-hmm. yeah. or he had uh, he had somebody who was a designer spend a little bit of time on it. So I mean, there are no like you don't look at this and go, "Good God, somebody help this person." That's what I mean. Is like when I say that it's good for someone this stage. I mean, I do mean just this stage. You know, before you spend a lot of money on design, and it's just someone releasing something as their MVP. Yeah, my, my, my guess is that um, um, he has a de- Karen has a decent sense of design and, and spent some time thinking it through, which is, is important. You know, you, I mean, look, I mean, this is the kind of site where you're going to be depending on them to evaluate uh, a potential hire for you, right? So if they screw it up, that's going to really be bad for you, right? So, like, you're going to hire something. Mean, what could be more costly than a false positive in the hiring process? We think some guy's this awesome coder. We bring him on, and he just he barely even knows what he's doing, or he just he just sucks. I mean, now you got to fire him, or now all the time wasted, and like getting him up to speed, and trying to all the time trying to figure out. Okay, now we thought he was good, and he's not so good. Is he really suck, or is it maybe just this? And it's just all the time and frustration. So it's really important that you can that you feel like you can depend on them. So the the design of the site has to look really. Um, you know, reliable. So something else I wanted to say is it, on the pricing page, um, this is, by the way, for for those of you at home, just to repeat, it's code boffin, C-O-D-E-B-O-F-F dot I-N. So um, if you go into the pricing page, right, one of the things I want to say is that the the, the pricing, uh, what do you, I guess, plans? Matrix. The, yeah, the pricing matrix, right? So if, you've got five tests for free, 10 tests for 50, 30 tests there's only one ratchet going up across the plans. And that 
that is um that's okay because you know you're just focused on that one uh, vector but what's what's much better is if you can find maybe four or five things that you can you can basically ratchet up because some people will want to go up for one reason and other people will want to go up for another and reason. what you're talking about is is like a feature or an attribute like what is it about this level not just like i get more tests but for instance like some of the things he talks about like you get um detailed test reports like what tests right. were failed like how detailed are the reports or exactly and how many and and another thing is that something like this it's it's obvious that this would be useful to an enterprise company and so therefore from an enterprise point of view you you may want to have a look at um test re- test reviewing seats kind of thing or you know how many different people because let, let's say an enterprise wanted to use this system and they wanted to interv- they wanted to use it to test i don't know 100 different coders coming in so then what you could have as a ratchet mechanism is to have how many people that company was allowed to test and also another ratchet would be how how many different administrators could be logged in concurrently? Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, okay. So that's 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 a good example of of, of um, an attribute or feature that can be ratcheted up. But th- he's not going to be selling to enterprises anytime in the near future. Period. Okay. So right. th- he's, I mean, he's he's even if he does push this full time, and it's going to be a long time for that to happen. So what he's going to be aiming for with something that's kind of inexpensive and minimal viable product is people are trying to hire stuff off like Craigslist. You know, right. I want somebody who's a, you know, .NET coder to do this thing or a Python coder. I want to get a sense if they know anything and can do anything on a pen five, spend five bucks because you may, maybe want, maybe you're communicating uh, using something like Craigslist or Elance and you find five or 10 potential providers, you know, and you want to determine if they're good. And you don't want to spend a ton of money, but 50 bucks, maybe $5 per person to test but out like, good is, is uh, not as it would be a good, this would be, this would be his market, individuals, really small companies. But you right. see, you see where they say that the, the the candidate's code is graded, and we mail you a test report. You're done, right? Mm-hmm. So an, another ratchet mechanism could be like a, a public web page that that displayed that information, mm-hmm. and how many how many qualifications were allowed to be displayed on that page. So maybe you know for for the free account you couldn't have that public page. For the for the next plan you could have that public page, and it could show two qualifications. For the next plan you could have that public page, and it could show ten qualifications. So just all these different ways of looking at it to ratchet it up across the matrix. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. There's a ton of things he could do like that. I think that, and I think that's really important. Um, and getting additional subjects other than just C plus plus is going to be going horizontal. So yeah. there's sort of like the vertical features like you're talking about, and there's horizontal under you know for different test uh, areas, different subjects. Well, anyway, um, I, I would. Uh, Commend them on getting some up and out there. It sounds like it yep. could be potentially useful. I mean, I think evaluating whether people who you're going to hire, especially who are freelancers, or um, in finding out whether they even know what they're talking about or can do anything, is a really um, valuable thing because you know you're you're going to be, you know, spending at the very minimum five hundred dollars to five, ten, fifteen. $20,000 on a freelancer to do some work for you. Mm-hmm. It's well worth five bucks or ten bucks yeah. to evaluate whether this person. Um, knows anything, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what you might want to do is is people can create their their you know code boffin page, and you go there and it's code boffin forward slash Justin Vincent, and it can have all the tests that you've taken, what you've scored, and when you took them. Yeah, right. So that as a provider, I could actually go ahead and take them, you know, a priori and and, and just have them passed. But at the very least, you don't want to have to be taking the same test over and over again, right? I'm pretty sure that that is identical to uh, my skills map. Because that's that's where we ended up going with my skills map when we did our lack critique. Hmm. 
Yeah, in a kind of a way. My I, my skills map wasn't though. You didn't take tests, right? You just wrote down things that you, how, what you did, what you've done, and who could have verified that you've done it. It's not about yeah, testing. yeah, without you taking tests. So basically, there, we 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 needed some verification behind it. So which we were saying hooking into LinkedIn, etc. Yeah, so they're verified, and then there's testing. I don't know. Maybe these guys should team up. <laughs> they kind right. of complementary skill. They're complementary things. So and that's uh, Phil Monet, right? Phil Monet. Yeah, Phil Monet. Yeah. Well, okay, let's move on. I, I want to hear an update on Plugio and Swarm. Oh, um, well, so Swarm, um, we've it's it's kind of selling like one unit or two units a day right now. Um, we've got it. We put the AI out there. We you um, you and Sebastian. Me and Sebastian. Yeah, the AI is good on the small boards, um, but on the big boards, it's it's kind of unsatisfying to play against. So we could have gone in two different directions. One direction is we could have focused on making the AI better. Or another direction is we could basically make the whole thing network based, mm-hmm. um, so that players can play each other, um, which is a, a faster route to getting higher quality games. Okay. So we've decided to go down that network path, um, and we've been working on that. Um, we're hoping to have something released within the next month, so that so that on the iPad you'll be able to play a network game, and then after that we're going to look at the whole thing of just getting it out to every platform rather than just iPad. So I so people can log in and play it on the web. Yeah, basically, and Logan, play it on the web, play, play it on play it on desktop, uh, iPhone. So we're, essentially, it's it's a bit of a task because we're going to be completely abstracting the visualization layer um, and the the whole logic layer to the point where it will just render on any platform. Right. Well, you wrote your engine for WebKit, right? So which means you're pretty close anyway. Well, it is pretty close, but the, but the thing is, is that the game experience on an iPhone is very different to the game experience on an iPad. So that's essentially what I'm talking about, rendering to, to, to different targets. Okay. Because like iPhone, you've got a lot less screen real estate and you, and you kind of need different mechanisms to play the game. Right. For, from, a, from an input point of view. I see. Well, you, one of the things you do is just play like this, because you have variations on game board size, right? You could play smaller game boards. That'd be the default for the iPhone and Android. Yeah. And you're going to use Titanium to build this? Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll use Titanium to do it for the desktop and for, for those different uh, mobile platforms as well. Oh, for yeah. the desktop too? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And, well, okay, and then for the, and then obviously you could just write it um, for the web easily. So, now what about, now you were telling me offline a little bit about um, Sebastian's been creating, using PubHub, PubNub for the um, event routing. Yeah. Um, so, so, so PubNub. Yeah, basically PubNub is the transport mechanism. But um, oh, by the way, we interviewed. Um, we had them on, but like two, three months ago. So yeah. I don't know what episode it was. You can check in our archives. It's an interesting interview. But they have a highly, extremely efficient, extremely fast, low latency, reliable. Um, uh, sort of comet-based server, so that you could be playing like a, you know, almost like a, a, a first-person shooter and have it routing through there, and there would be almost no latency. So there, it's a kind of software-as-a-service um, system. Um, that, so basically you pay per, per transaction, as it were. Right. Um, so uh, Sebastian started going for it, and um, then pretty quickly ran into the, the limitation of the 5,000 um, connections that you have per, per day for, for a free account. So he decided that <laughs> the next thing he was going to do was to actually rewrite PubNub uh, server as an open source server. And he contacted Stephen from PubNub and said, look, do you mind if I do this? So basically he's using the PubNub clients, the official clients, uh, the PubNub supply. And what Sebastian's done is he's, he's rewritten the backend on Node.js 
So, so that for testing purposes, that it's not using PubNub, but it basically is the same thing. And then when you go into production and you need to scale and you need to scale to, you know, like 100,000 users, you flick a button and then it goes to PubNub. Right. Right. So he's actually uh, put that, that server, written that server and put that on GitHub. So basically that is an open source version of PubNub that can kind of work on, on one instance of Node.js. Right. That he's, he's done. And so that took that kind of took us on a side path for about two weeks but I think- <laughs> which you know i mean it's an interesting project i mean i guess i could see i could see why he got sucked into doing it because he's a smart guy and it's fun to build cool stuff like that but uh, right it's a little bit of a little bit of a um i guess a, a, a diversion you know <laughs> well anyway so so he finished that up and um now we're now now we've uh well sebastian's got to the point where we can actually play play full network games so we were, we were playing some games, and um, I think now it's just a question of rounding it off and getting it out the door to the App Store. What about getting some texting listeners in there for uh, beta testing this for you guys, with you guys, like playing in network games with you guys? Oh, yeah, that would be great. I we mean, should we, do d- that. we just need to get it released first. Right. Well, that's probably, yeah, good, good point. <laughs> so, so with Plugio, um, just to round up that, um, it's making more money. since. So, so what I did was I, closed, I put the 30-day free trial... Okay. And made it so that um, you essentially can't just maintain a free account on there. You need to make a decision after 30 days to purchase it or you not. You did that, what, two, three months ago? Two months ago? But I, I guess two months ago. Okay. So um, the, tr- the number of transactions went up to 80 transactions last month, and it was 70 the month before. And before that, what was it? Uh, 73. So it was on a downward, it was on a downward trend. Okay. Uh, before that, yeah, I, I don't feel that Plugio is going to be the thing that that uh, makes me rich. No, but well, let's see. I mean, so how much revenue is that for you? How many? How much does that bring you in a month for you? It's it's always consistently. I mean, it, the very strange thing is, since month two, it's basically brought in about a thousand a month. And how much do you spend on that's revenue? How much do you spend on server costs? And I don't know, a hundred a month on server costs. Really, a hundred dollars a month? Oh, because you're on Rackspace. I'm on the right? Rackspace. Yeah. It could be a lot less, but I I just I quite like the way the rack space works, and it's all set up now. So nine hundred dollars profit, and then I guess about um, fifty a month in uh, affiliate commissions. Really? So okay, eight hundred fifty dollars a month. That's uh, that's that's about two car payments. Yeah, it makes about eight hundred bucks a month. Seven to eight hundred. That's good. I mean, you know, that's either one. No, it is good, but it does. I mean, it doesn't make you. I mean, it would be great if I had like ten projects like that. Well, yeah, you get a couple more going. I mean, we've always. You, I mean, you've been pushing for that, right? I mean, you're like, there's yeah. the go for the one big kill or go for for lots of smaller projects. I mean, Rob Walling, that's been his approach. Is have lots of sort of micro with the micropreneur, yeah, micropreneur. You know, and he makes a very good case for why that can be a more stable and just essentially more achievable. Um, Result. I mean, a way and more. It's 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 more easy. It's easier to achieve financial independence with ten little micro revenue generators and this one big one that's making you ten or fifteen grand a month. Right. You know, and uh, he makes a and and Pete Mashad, who we interviewed back quite a long ways back, who was doing the same thing through uh, various types of eBooks and things. The main issue with Plugio is is that my heart isn't in keeping up with Twitter and you know, plumbing in the the next new thing that Twitter do and just making sure that Plugio is completely matched up to date with the market leaders. Like my heart isn't in it, right? So essentially what, what it does is it, and it does this one thing really well, which is 
you can plug in all your RSS feeds and you can make it real easy and real fast to, to automate your day's tweeting, you know, to, to basically curate what you, what you tweet for that day and it will post it out during the day. And that is essentially, I think, where it's going to stay. So if people see value in that, then they can sign up. Um, but beyond that, I don't think I'm really going to try and take it any further. You're not going to create, make it your social media dashboard, which you had thought about at one point. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go there. Why? You, why? Just because you just don't feel not feeling the love? Yeah, pretty much. It's just it's just a, it's about you know it's. It, I mean, I think we also have to enjoy what we do. We also have to be passionate about what we do, and it's really good at what it does and i'm i'm not feeling that same level of passion about just working on it working on twitter i think you know what it is i think that twitter pulled the rug from under me like three times and that just made me go i, I don't want to invest in these guys i don't want to invest in these people that they're, they're not looking after me so why should i why should i care right well the whole building yeah we're building on someone else's platform it's an unstable right. foundation yeah. <clears throat> that's interesting you know because the <sighs> Yeah, I mean that's the that's the problem when you don't go build you don't work on something that's really your mo- their most exciting idea. And I, yeah. when you first you first time you called me up and you said, hey, I'm gonna, I got I got an idea. I'm gonna make I guess because I want to make some money quick, right? I need to generate some money. Did I say that? Yep, that's exactly what you said. <laughs> oh, I idea. I want I want to make some money. I want to make some <laughs> quick some quick dirty money. Yeah, well, you want to yeah you want I want to you like you essentially want to spend a month or two tops building something that was create some money, and you did it. Right. You did it, right? I mean, the, the, you know, and I, I was, I, my, my first couple reaction was, are you going to be spamming the Twitter sphere? Which I was sort of, <laughs> like, I wasn't big on that. So I was a little skeptical. It's like, I don't know. And you, you convinced me, oh, it's not spamming. It's, you know, just putting by links that people are going to like. I'm like, okay. <clears throat> and the second thing you, I, I was wondering, I was like, well, you know, are you really excited about it? You're like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. I'll just for a couple months. And so, I mean, in the end, you did what you set out to be, to do, right? I mean, you weren't, you you didn't create it with the idea of like man this is my this is really what I'm super excited about I'm going to spend years building this thing you just you it was going to be it's true but when I released it there was that period when it went from zero users to like a thousand users in about three days I kind of thought you know what this could be really big this could be like a million dollar business and so that that was my and I had a real surge of adrenaline and kind of happiness during that phase but then Twitter pulled the rug you know, basically suspended it like three times <laughs> over right. the next few months. And then that, then I just gradually got more and more, I guess, you know, not into it. So I guess I'd give the update on App Ignite. Yeah, go for it. So, um, let's see. So, uh, you know, I've been working on it probably, you know, problem is I've been working on it too much. I haven't been doing it, spending enough time doing consulting work. Right. Um, you know, Sandy kind of came to me and she's like, listen, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> You know, we need to, we need to, we need to get a check in here soon. So, yeah, because I, I, it's so easy for me to just start. Well, it get at first thing in the morning. Well, I just want to fix this. I want to fix that. And then I think I know it's lunchtime and then guy on calls and we have a work session and then it's like, well, I just want to keep working on this. And next, you know, it's, I realize all I've done all day is work on Epic night. <laughs> so, you know, which is not good because it's not sustainable. You know, I have to be making money doing freelance coding. Um, but the good news, of course, is I'm making a lot of progress on it. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the one thing I'm working on lately is the um, hierarchical model structure. So, for instance, um, a good, perfect example would be like threaded comments. Right. Right. So how do you set up? How do you set that up? Well, I've created it. So you can when you create like your model, your record type and you say, OK, this is a comment. And you can say checkbox, it, you know, is hierarchical. 
right? Um, or like tags, like, you know, I think, I don't know if WordPress allows you to do this, but you can tag posts, but you can say like PHP, JavaScript, and those are sub-tags of coding, which might right. be sub-tag of tech. And so how do you, but they ultimately comments are like that, but they're ultimately belong to a parent, which would be a post, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or like on Hacker News, it'd be a link and then you have each of the comments. So um, making that so like you do a checkbox and it generates all the code and all of the um, scheme and all the validations and everything that needs to go with that and knows how to display it the right way in a sort of a hierarchical structure by default and everything. So working on that, but that's, you know, it was a little tricky, but that was just one of the things that's been taken on that I'm working on the last three or four days. And um yeah, I'm just trying to, I, I, I changed the, uh, I was working on the UI to get the um, model creation process much simpler. So there's much, much less, um, it's much clearer what you're supposed to do. Okay. It's, you don't have to make a lot of decisions because it's easy to come in there and go, okay, now create your relationships. And people are like, well, what, <laughs> what's a relationship, right? And like, well, how, like if you want a hierarchical model before it was like, you'd have to have a model, have a relationship to itself with a has many and a belongs to. Um, yeah relationship which is that's not clear that's a lot of people that would never realize that's what you need to do so i changed it so that things like you know you don't create relationships that way you just come in and say okay this model belongs to this other model this model is hierarchical this model and then when you're creating your properties you can say you could have a property be another model type so let's say that you are creating a uh, let's say you have like a little messaging system you want to create like in say linkedin or something Mm-hmm. And you're sending you you create a message and you're sending it to someone. Well, the recipient is another user, so they would you would create a property called recipient of type user as opposed to content of type you know text. Does that make secret, sense? The secret for App Ignite for to get take up is going to be in the journeys and get, get the help videos. If you if you've got example videos that basically very clearly show people how to build something real quick, step by step, and it's not like um, any hackery or or fake way of kind of uh, time slicing the video like it really is it, this is what you're doing you're doing this and it shows you how you can do it and you can get it done real fast i think that is the way that's going to be the important thing yeah I, I mean, the idea is creating like some screencasts of creating um that are longer ones that like how you can create like a more sophisticated application and mm, then yeah so like this is how we're going to create a hacker news clone you know in five yeah. minutes or something, but then you That'd have lots very of. Good. Then you have like, or we're going to create a Twitter clone, or we're going to create a, a you know a project management app, or a you know a, a get satisfaction user voice feedback app. Well, think about it. I mean, actually, that's that's what Peldy did with Balsamic. Mm-hmm. So you know the first the first video that was so amazing about Balsamic was that he recreated iTunes. You know, calling it MyTunes, and then he created YouTube, calling it YourTube. And oh, so I didn't know that. So that's the meta, like when people can see that, you know, that it, it translates to something that they really understand. So if you right. do that, I think that would be very powerful. Yeah, well, so a couple of reasons. One, I want to do that so that like when you first come in, you can so see apps that have been created. So it's, you can either like create a new app or see a list of apps that have been created and you can look at the app or look at the video of how, how the app was created. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you come in and there's like 10 really cool apps and you look at those, you know, oh, okay. And then... But it'll immediately allow you to create an app without having to register and create an account. You can just start creating and playing around. And then throughout- Are you going to have like a, a, an app marketplace so that people can build apps and then those apps end up in a marketplace that someone else can come along without having to build it? They just click a button and it's theirs. 
You can probably do that. You know, um, I, I probably won't do that right away just because I feel like there's probably some other things, but creating like an ecosystem, app ecosystem around it, probably yeah. might do get to doing that. I mean, I think one of the things that might be more valuable than people selling their apps is, um, is like I said, the tutorials and help videos. And, but also just having a bunch of pre-built apps because, I mean, I can go and create tons of different basic apps that people yeah. can then just say, oh, I want that app, clone it. Yeah, that's a template, yeah. Building. It could be a template, right? Like here's your, oh, I want a messaging system or I want a commenting system. I mean, obviously they could create it very easily themselves with a few clicks, but it's like they could just say, well, you know, this one obviously, this, this app here has seven different models with some relationships. I can just clone that one because that's exactly what I want or I could spend five to ten minutes just going through and setting it up myself either way or, I could, you know. But making that, I think that's more important. But I think one of the other things that might be really nice is if you have like um, people who are consultants who are available on the website, say designers. So like you can go create your app, and you have people who who've taken those those templates, kind of like you have WordPress, CSS designer specialists. People can take your app and for not a whole lot of money, um, create a design for it, makes it look really professional as opposed to looking like some kind of generated app. So what's your um, uh, I like. I know you, I know time is a very difficult thing to quantify, but in terms of the MVP and when you think you might release, like, do you think that you're like fifty percent of the way there? Do you think you're sixty percent? I mean, how how <laughs> you know until if, if, if I release? You know, I think what I have to do right now. There's a few things I need to do in terms of security. Um, and I want to lock down a few more things security-wise. I want to finish out some of the as you described journey. Some of the um, you know get some of the wizards up. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I it's, it's, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather not say because every time I say, I miss it, and then I feel bad. So, well, no, I'm not saying to pick a date. I'm saying just give a percentage. I, you know, so, I, so like, are you, are you, are you like 99 percent of the way there to to your MVP no, I, release? I one? feel like I'm about 80, 85, 80 percent, 85 percent. That's the way I feel like. Um, okay. But you know, I part of the reason I'm spending a lot of time is I'm just I feel like I'm running downhill. I mean, I feel like we're so close. Like you're just, you're sm- you're, there's blood in the water, right? I'm going to, you know, this thing, I got it now. <laughs> it's like, I got it. Now it's just, now you just like, come on. You just seem frustrated. Just knock this out. I just knock these few more things out because then you're going to, it's going to be, you're going to have it. Right. And so that's why it's so hard to like, you know, not sprint that end because you feel like you're so close. But, you know, sometimes it can be, it's deceptive because it's a little further away than it seems. It's yeah. a hell of a lot closer than it was, so you get excited, but it's still not quite, you can't sprint, you know, you can't, it's like you're running a marathon, it's like, well, you know, if I can, I can see the finish line, but the finish line is at the top of a hill, and it's still miles. That's right, right? You the, can't the mountain sprint. in the horizon always, you know, just only gets a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah, you can't sprint the last <laughs> mile and a half on foot, you just, just keep your pace strong, you know, and, and that's why it's important that I, I don't spend more than time than I can really afford. And I, and I just keep you know, the revenue coming in through consulting because otherwise you, you know, you run into obviously money problems. So I, I genuinely want you to make it and I want it to exist because I want to be able to build some of these little ideas that I've had and just focus on the marketing and focus on um, getting people there. Cause I think that if I could build a lot of little things like Plugio and by the way, I just don't see how I could build something like Plugio with Apignite. But anyway, that's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I, if I could build a lot of little, you know, have ideas that I could spend a weekend building them with Apignite mm-hmm. and then just try and market them and turn them into a little little small bits of revenue, then I think that would be very interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I feel the same way. And the reason that I, I'm building Apignite is because I have the same idea. Like, I, I mean, in the sense that I have a lot of applications I want to build, but I just can't afford. I mean, I can afford to spend a few days on each one to get something built, you know, and um, but I can't afford to spend, you know, it takes, you know, a couple months 
you know what would be per- the, the perfect kind of app to build with App Ignite? If, if you can realize the vision and make it happen the way that we both want it to happen, mm-hmm. the perfect kind of thing that you could do is you could just go around and hunt down niches and just essentially use it like FileMaker Pro to build... Um, do, you, do you remember what FileMaker Pro was for, for the Mac? It's, oh, yeah. it's like Access, right? Like Access or FileMaker Pro. Well, that's, so just that's, the, that's, the, that's the example I would use to be when I try to describe people. I'd say, well, it's kind of like FileMaker Pro for the web. It's kind of like a, in a very vague sense what it's like. That would be cool because you could go around, find niches, like, say, for example, flower shops, right? You, or, 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 I don't know, pet grooming stores yeah, or something. Yeah, I think I'd leave that to someone else. That would bore me to tears. But, but, but you know what I'm saying? You could basically create these software as service apps for each of these different real, real tight niches. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, each of them only earn a fraction of revenue from, but it would be quick to create each of them, you know, like, I don't know, absolutely. like an inventory system for flower shops or something. Yeah, no, absolutely. You could do that kind of stuff, right? Um, and, but you could create much more innovative stuff, too. I mean, I think you could, you could and, you know, you were talking about Plugio. It's like, even for apps that require a lot of sort of specific algorithms, um, you know, you could still generate a lot of the infrastructure that would, a lot of the plumbing that you would normally have to write by hand. Um, Does that include the Ajax stuff? I mean, Plugio is basically 100% Ajax. Um, you know what I'm doing is the first version is going to be uh, I'm writing without Ajax, but then I'm pull, I'm pulling in Ajax. You know, as a, I'm I'm forcing myself not to do that now because yeah, I think it would be awesome, but it's just like right. I mean, otherwise I'm never going to finish this. But yeah, I mean, you're going to want to be able to do Ajax, but it's very you know uh, with two things because one thing is will automatically generate an API for you. And you have access to the HTML template, so you could easily write your own JavaScript if you know a little JavaScript, right? So you say, oh, I'll have this generate the whole thing, and I'll write that. And then, you know, myself as a developer. You know what? I've just realized that the, it really does depend on the pricing model, because if I, let's say I was, I was going to take that approach that I just described and build mm-hmm. a whole bunch of sites for niches. If your pricing model precludes that, then that's never going to happen. So let's say your pricing model is 40 bucks a month per site. Right. Then someone isn't going to do something like that. So that's that's an interesting thought about pricing. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to be that much cheaper. I'm not going to. It's not going to be like a five dollar a month thing. You know. I mean, unless it was like just a simple form or something. It's going to be. You know, you're because you're. you're you, you know, a lot of times what you either do is you have to kind of decide. I mean, you can to some degree um, uh, get go from cheap to expensive. But if you spend too much time focusing on the real low end stuff, you really sort of cannibalize the high end stuff and vice versa. And mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, and I realize I'm not going to be selling to enterprises anytime soon, um, but I don't want to be worried about like the people who are price sensitive to like five dollars. Um, right. Worry too much about them, and you're going to miss the ones where you could be getting fifty, a hundred dollars, you know, five hundred dollars a month. Um, so I'm less interested. So I'm yeah. That's once again. That's I and mean, this is with with Mash API when we were putting together the business pitch for Mash API, we had a lot of discussion about the pricing matrix and came up with some very clever me- uh, ratchets to, to basically ratchet people up across the, metri- the, the matrix. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're probably going to have to do the same thing there as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. You have to put a lot of hard thought into that because it's really important about how you segment your product and how you figure out what your, your sort of customer demographics are. And uh, the one thing I've heard a lot, which I, I, it makes a lot of sense to me, is that when you go after the really inexpensive market, you, you're, you're creating a lot of overhead for yourself because you have a lot more people to support. And a lot of those people tend to have, want a lot of hand-holding. It be a lot, a lot of a big pain. And mm-hmm. you can make much more revenue by focusing on people who are not quite so price sensitive. Um, I think really so, yeah. I mean, that's, that's my initial thought. I mean, obviously, I will, when it comes time to really you know, think through it, I'll do some harder research and 
but that's just well maybe maybe you can just because i'm your buddy maybe you can let me have like thousands of websites but everyone else has to pay 50 bucks that's right i'll let you have thousands that's very kind <laughs> you're you're real good Thank you, you know very much. <laughs> you'll spam the web with your <laughs> generated <laughs> website so um you know one thing was interesting i went to um meet with a potential client um last week all right and um, they're, they're located here in LA, and I've been kind of communicating with them the year, and they're they're a small company, and uh, I probably shouldn't, yeah, since I don't have a relationship with them, I probably shouldn't talk about who they are or anything. But one thing that was interesting, so I met for about two hours with the CTO and their two the senior developers, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I I I demonstrated some stuff that I had built that was related to their business, which they were really interested in, something I built back in two thousand six. <laughs> Um, but then I, you know, I told them about App Ignite, and so I walked them through App Ignite, and I, you know, which they were really interested in seeing as potentially useful for the stuff that I might build for them, but also just generally interesting. Did you demo it? And I did. I demoed it. We we created some apps, and then we, you know, did you take at, a laptop? No, we just used his machine on the. Um, it's on the web, so we just used okay. his machine, uh-huh. and uh, and only thing I had to do because I did I haven't built in a way for you to look at the generated code via the website, so we just set up an FTP client and I you know downloaded some of the generated models and views, and we went and walked through the code because one thing I was telling him I said, look, the code that's generated is clinical. I mean, it is like stuff that you could give a tutorial on. This is how you write, you know, you know, bulletproof well comment you know well organized perfectly named you know according to the zen style guide code yeah. you know really object oriented really nice so which is cool so when they saw it they're like yeah <laughs> like that mm. is beautiful you know the sequel all laid out really nice like everything because i spend a lot of time you know where you're generating this code because it's so easy when you're generating code to generate stuff that just looks like garbage you know, back when you were Dreamweaver back in the day, you know, you, oh, yeah. JavaScript, you look at it like, I have no way how to run web. So you're paying attention to things like indenting as well, indenting and yeah, comments. Everything. I will, I, 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 um, my goal is when we generate it and this, and, and, and I, I do this, I'm constantly paying attention to this is that I want to be, I want to generate code that I would write if I was writing perfect code that I had time to make it perfect. And then I was going to go show it to somebody else to like, this is how you can evaluate me based on this code. Hmm. that's what I'm trying to do so it's like better than the code I would write normally because usually you're taking shortcuts like oh yeah yeah good enough let's move on you know so I I wanted to you know generate that and the the nice thing about it which they felt really appreciated was that it's not based on a big framework so you have to download this gigantic framework it has to go through all these calls and up this chain of uh, classes to make a call it's like it only generates the bare minimum what it needs to run it doesn't isn't dependent on a framework there are only a couple utility classes like a a validator class and a formatter formatter class it's the no framework framework yeah, I mean, because the framework is kind of in the generation. The magic happens in the generation. Then it just generates stuff that then you can look at and go, well, there's not a whole lot here, but it does it. And then you can understand it. And you're like, well, okay, you know, I can go change. It's easy for you to understand and look at. You can look at it in five minutes go, this is totally easy to change. I wonder so, if when people see this and see the generated code, whether, they're, whether the next thing is that someone's basically going to create the same thing, but for Ruby and for Cake. So that basically they'll build a... They'll build a website that builds Ruby and Cake websites with Dragon. Well, probably the direction is for this stuff. I mean, in the end, I, I mean, I think that this is the way a lot of coding will be will happen in the future for different languages. And what I want to do with this is I want to have it to be able to generate Python and other, maybe Ruby, but at the very least, I think Python would be a cool one because it'd be cool to generate Python apps that can then run on Google's App Engine. Mm-hmm. 
right? Because then you get, whole be cool, dem- yeah. you get a whole other demographic. I mean, because there's, a, there's I mean, the PHP world is huge. So there's a ton of PHP developers who kind of got, um, you know, they kind of got passed by by the Rails, you know, train. Mm-hmm. And then kind of caught up a little bit with, with, with some of these, uh, you know, Code Ignite or some of these frameworks and stuff. And, um, you know, but Python, so you, I, those are the first people to hit, I think, right? And then the next would be maybe to hit Python because I think Python has Django and has pylons, but it, those things don't, still don't seem like they work as well or as slick or, or as, um, as Rails, I mean, you hear all these posts on, uh, you know, I've read all these posts where people go back and forth about why one is better than the other, but it doesn't seem to be that there's as much consensus and consolidation around Django, for instance, as there is around Rails. Yeah. And especially if you build something that, w- that tied in directly to Google App Engine, because you can imagine a lot of people wanting to build something that works on App Engine for whatever yeah. reason. They like, well, scalability, this and that, and if it could generate that. So... That would be a, a direction I'd like to go in. I don't want to be just generating PHP. I think and there's no reason that it couldn't generate all kind of other, um, you know, could emit other type of languages, right? You just have your PHP, you have your, your Python generator, your PHP generator, your Ruby generator, your, you know, job maybe does it all in JavaScript and runs the JavaScript servers like Rhino. You have a JavaScript mm-hmm. generator. Right. So that when you want to go in as a developer and you want to go and, and write customize, like there's, because one thing you'll do is it generates stuff and you go in and say, well, I need to override some of these functions because I got some custom codes. Like, say you were gonna, um, you wanted to uh, create like a Hacker News type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you had like a, you had to say, okay, it's kind of like Hacker News, but it has all these other features to it. So I want to generate something like that. And but one of the things you need is a ranking algorithm rank, that 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 ranks the um, the posts that decay over time and they get shown on the front page. They get ordered by how many points and upvotes and stuff. Well, that's a custom mm-hmm. algorithm, right? That isn't a matter of changing your certs, your filters and sorts. That's actually a a, a, a little algorithm, which is kind of a neat. It showed up on Hacker News a couple weeks ago or a week ago. And you you can override a function to do that very easily. But mm-hmm. in order to do that, you know, at least right now, it would have to be PHP because it's a PHP function, unless they come up with some funky way of allowing like JavaScript on the server talk to PHP easily. But if you, so if you were, if you're like, well, I'm a Python coder, you know, I wouldn't mind this, and, you know, I'd love it if it generated Python for App Engine because I need to write, a, you know, four or five custom, you know, routines that, that tie into some other APIs and do some other crap. But if it's all PHP and you're a Python coder, you might be like, ah, screw that, you know. It's not Python, I don't want to touch it, which you can imagine because that's kind of how coders are oftentimes. So anyway, I just the cool. thing. The thing I would say is that when I demoed it to these guys, and it was really kind of, um, it was a great feeling because they saw the code, and you can see their eyes light up, and they're like, "Wow, <laughs> that's slick." Yeah, that's good. They, they were just, you know, because they're all high. They were they were senior level developers, and they, you know, they weren't easily impressed. You know, they know multiple languages, been coding a lot of years in these big scalable systems, and they they went. We walked through the code base and the generated models and the SQL and the, you know, the forms and the views and everything, and they were just like, "Yeah, man." So it was neat. I mean, you could, you could see in their eyes. So that was kind well, of... Well, congrats. Like, I, I can't wait for you to get it out the door and I can't wait to get my hands on it. It's sounding, it's sounding more and more interesting as time goes by. So congrats. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting and, and just kind of related to that, there is a, um, a, a post I want to bring up called Why You Should Start Marketing the Day You Start Coding by, um, by Wall. Did you bring, did you see that one? I did see it, but you t- talk us through it. Well, it's just related to um, Appignet, right? Because I've been talking about it. Actually, you brought it up in like, what, November? Right. I was kind of working on it secretly, and you're like, well, when are you going to talk about it? Come on. Come on. <laughs> so you kind of let the cat out of the bag and kind of forced me to talk about it, which I say is a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. Even though if at times I feel frustrated because I, 
I, I, it's, it's frustrating to talk about stuff you're working on and you can't release it. You know, I mean, you can't release it until it's ready to release, but you, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's vaporware, right? Just, just quickly wanted to say, um, remember we were talking about the Indiegogo stuff and the um, Kickstarter. I've just seen in the Kickstarter FAQ that basically every Kickstarter project must be fully funded, otherwise no money gets, gets to change hands. Whereas with the Indiegogo, you get what you keep and you, 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 you get everything and you can withdraw it as time goes by. So I think we'll go with the Indiegogo. So, um, well, just before we sign off, I just again, if anyone's interested in using AppIgnite, uh, signing for the beta, beta, sign up to the beta list. Go to AppIgnite.com and leave your email address, and uh, I will, you will be notified as soon as it's ready to roll. Um, and also, um, if you're uh, willing to write a blog post about us, if you like the show and uh, you wouldn't mind helping us out, write a nice blog post about us, then um, we will definitely uh, give you a thank you on the show. We will do, and we will we will continue tirelessly to bring you fantastic quality content <laughs> every week. <laughs> and check out justinvincent.com and um, have a flick through some of those blog posts and, and comment and see what you think of that too. So when, when are you going to start your infomercial series? <laughs> <laughs> Jason, you have forgotten your quote of the week. So let me let's 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 get to it. This is a really good one. Um, it's it. It is reading after a certain age diverts the mind too much from its creative pursuits. Any person who reads too much and uses their own brain too little falls into lazy habits of thinking. Albert Einstein. <laughs> which, is, which is sort of appropriate for, at least it applies to me, because I spend a lot of time reading you know, stuff on the web, off Hacker News and stuff, as opposed to coding. But I kinda, we kind of have to because we need to get topics for the show. But uh, it's a good point. It's a good thing to keep keep thinking about because you know you, you you get this situation where you're um it's analysis paralysis through analysis you know you spend all this time reading about what other coders are doing or new frameworks or new techniques and um and not uh, actually building anything well that's right that's right it's the people who build who, who who basically don't even know what's going on in the marketplace and they just build their product release it and make it happen quite often they're the ones who who are successful i mean I, I think it's a balance right i mean you need to be paying attention to what's going on you need to stay aware of what the latest techniques are and the newest technologies. And, you know, you, you, if you're not aware of those things, you're not moving forward. You can kind of get left behind and be building stuff that nobody cares about or using outmoded, uh, you know, techniques. But, you know, with that said, you, you know, you shouldn't spend an hour and a half a day <laughs> reading stuff, you know, maybe a half hour a day and then, just fun, you know, funnel that, that hour that you would have spent reading into uh, making something, building something. Well, that's a good quote, and I think a very nice way to close the show as well. And hey, it's Albert Einstein, right? So you can't argue with Albert, right? Albert gets it right every time. All right, that's a wrap. We're out. We're out.